when you're doing something creative, you're accessing a different part of your brain. Mm-hmm. That part of your brain is not, is not just the art part. <laughs> it's a part of your brain that does a lot of different things. And so if you can strengthen that part of your brain through art and creative practice, okay. the benefits are going to be seen in a much wider variety of aspects of one's life. And really what we're seeing in the science and, and in the data is that children who are consistently exposed to art become more successful adults. Hi, my name is Ellie Cody and this is Manhattan Sideways. On this episode, recorded in August of 2018, we spoke with Rebecca Schweiger, founder of the Art Studio of New York. Here's what Betsy Pollaby, founder of Manhattan Sideways, had to say about this business. I can't remember where I read it. Maybe it was in New York Magazine, but I had learned about Rebecca and the art studio New York, and I would never have known to go in and look for it on the Upper West Side in 96th Street had I not read about it. But one day when I was on 96th, I went in and asked the doorman, and he said, yes, yes, come with me, and took me down in the elevator. And I walked in and met the loveliest, most talented artist, and all of her children at the time were on one side taking art classes, but on the other side were women more of my age having a glass of wine and trying to become artists and to enjoy the art of painting. And I was hooked on Rebecca and on her concept. My name is Rebecca Schweiger, and I am the founder and owner of the Art Studio New York, which is New York City's number one rated art school. I'm also the author of Release Your Creativity. Yes, which I have here on the table. (laughs) (laughs) And I myself am an internationally exhibited painter as well. Amazing. So can you tell me about what you do at the Art Studio and what kind of classes you have there? Absolutely. Uh, Well, the Art Studio New York is geared towards every type of person imaginable. We work with people from ages two to 102. And we specialize in working with beginners. So people who say, I don't have a creative bone in my body. (laughs) We bring that creativity out of them. And we offer close to 100 art classes every week for all of these different ages. We also offer creative corporate events, private classes, private events. We work in schools throughout Manhattan, as well as the variety of ongoing art classes and art workshops that we offer in our studio. And our mission is simple, to really nurture people with creativity and to draw creativity out of people so that they can feel more fulfilled and happy in their lives. So how many employees do you have? How many other teachers? We have a staff of close to 20 people. Uh, I started the business by myself yeah. and used to wear about 850 hats. Yeah, but <laughs> now I wear close to 50. <laughs> Spread out the hats a exactly, little bit. Yeah. Exactly. Do you want to tell me a little bit about how you started the business? Well, it's funny. When I think about how I started the business, a lot of times I think of the how, the what, and the why. So for me, there's always a why underneath. Mm-hmm. Um, So for me, the why was that in my own artistic practice, I felt that art had and was continuing to really transform my life. 
I found that I felt like my best self when I had a paintbrush in my hand. And I had a variety of different experiences in teaching non-traditional settings where I saw whether it was senior citizens or teenagers or young children really transforming through the practice of creativity. So I felt like I was a woman on a mission to bring art and creativity to as many people as possible, especially those that did not necessarily have that exposure to the arts. And I would say that that mission combined with the willingness to do whatever it takes or whatever it took, as well as the willingness to take some big risks. So you combine that all in a pot and stir it up. And I quit my full-time job at a nonprofit in New York City, rented a one-bedroom apartment on the Upper West Side, decided to turn the bedroom into my art studio, hit the New York City streets and handed out hot pink flyers to every passerby and created my first class of five students. That was the very beginning and everything really grew from that moment. That's amazing. And what was your first group of students like? My first group of students, they were fabulous. They were, and I'm still in touch with them today, uh, a group of young women, actually really mixed ages of, of women and a couple of men, all professionals in New York City, all found the art classes through these ads and posters. And everyone had something in common, which was that they felt overworked, they felt overstressed, and they were really seeking more fulfillment in their life. And there was one moment, once upon a time, whether it had been 20 years ago, 40 years ago, 50 years ago, where they said, oh, wait a second, I used to love art, but dot, dot, dot. I stopped because a teacher told me I was no good. I stopped because my dad told me I need to study and focus more on math. I had to work full time. I had kids, I this, I that. And there was this like little teeny seed inside where each of the students we're seeking more fulfillment and seeking stress relief and seeking joy and remembered, oh, wait a second. I think that could happen for me through an art class. Mm -hmm. So that was the commonality between everyone in that first class. Mm -hmm. Can you tell me what's different about your studio from a more classical art studio? Yes, I'd be happy to. And I am a product of a classical fine arts training. Mm -hmm. I'm very familiar with more technical and traditional art schools, which are fabulous if you want a much more rigorous and rigid right and wrong type of approach, mm -hmm. and which is fantastic if you want to become a full-time artist exhibiting in galleries. Yeah. If you don't want to do those things, or even if you do, I found that a lot of the training that I had in a lot of the more traditional art programs are actually creativity killers rather than creativity enhancers. And for me, I always felt that I do best in environments where I feel emotionally safe, extremely encouraged, where someone is really almost like a personal cheerleader. Mm -hmm. 
and shining a light on my talents and what I do well. And so I took those pieces and decided, well, if that's where I shine when I'm learning, I have a feeling that other people will as well. And so, of course, I tested that. Um, and 14 years later, the, the recipe works really well. We do a lot of things differently. Uh, first of all, like I said, our approach is all about encouragement. It's not competitive. We do not believe in right and wrong. We believe that every person is creative and every person's creativity is unique. So when we're working with students, we don't see uh, a class as a big collective of people who we can schmush together. Our instructors are all professional artists who have been trained in our unique approach to teaching. And they're working with our students one-on-one, -on -one, really getting to know people on a personal level. Who are you as a person? Why are you here? What's important to you? What's going on in your life? Mm -hmm. uh, what brought you here? What might you not know about why you're here in the first place? And how can we really bring that out of you? So that's, I would say, one very different approach in terms of how we teach our students. And we also make sure to have very small classes. So there is usually a ratio of one instructor to eight people, sometimes less when it's younger kids or a few more if it's adults. And our focus is very much on the process rather than the product. So we're really teaching people how to slow down, how to enjoy the whole process of being creative and what is creativity and how is that unfolding through your artwork? And also, how can you use that in your life? How can you learn how to be more patient when you're painting so that you can be more patient when your kids are driving you nuts? <laughs> how can you surrender and not need to know every step of the painting so that if you're having a relationship challenge, you can apply those tools um, to your real life. And so we really see the creative process as something that happens on the canvas and is something that can be taken to the streets mm -hmm. in people's daily lives. And that's something that our students really, really love. When I came by the studio a couple weeks ago, I was really amazed how present the students were in their work and with you and how present you were with them and also the range of styles that were coming out on the canvases and how much their individual personalities were coming out, which were very different, you know, and, and, and then all the art that was on the walls was very different as well. And we talked about that a little bit, um, but all really beautiful and, and how much you can see the progress that people are making is amazing. The learning curve is really fast. And it's almost, you almost wouldn't expect, well, if it's not cookie cutter and if it's not rigid and if there are not all of these rules, how do people learn? We still teach an enormous amount of artistic technique. Mm -hmm. We combine it with encouraging authentic self-expression so that when you were in the studio, what you saw was a result of each student really being nurtured on an individual basis so that their own self-expression could come out in a natural way to them. I might want to paint a landscape. You might hate landscapes. Uh -huh. I might want to paint a huge abstract painting. You might prefer ultra-realistic drawing. 
And we really meet each person where they're at and then take them not only where they want to go, but much farther than where they thought they could go. So people end up really walking away feeling like, wow, A, I never thought I was creative. Clearly I was wrong. B, I never thought I could paint. Okay, I'm wrong about that as well. C, I never thought I'd create a painting that I love. Now I can't wait to hang it up on my wall. What else? in my art and in my life can I do that I never thought I could do. It's very freeing and very exciting. Can you tell me about a couple of students who maybe were particularly out of their comfort zone and you know came in saying, I can't do this, there's no way, but came in anyway? Absolutely, so one woman comes to mind. Uh, she is a fertility specialist and she was going through a very difficult divorce. Mm-hmm. She also had this moment of clarity. I think I loved to do art when I was seven years old and it's 50 years later. And she was just, again, really looking for some sort of fulfillment and community and way to just express what she was experiencing in her own life. So she came uh, and joined a painting class that I teach and her patience level was zero. (laughs) Her self-esteem in painting was, you know, negative 100. And she just really, I can't do this, I can't do this, I can't do this. She was visibly anxious and nervous. It's about three years later. She's taken the painting class every week straight for about three years. She's an incredible painter. I've been to her apartment. Her artwork is all over her apartment. Oh, that's so great. She's from South America. So she was heading to South America with paintings in hand to give to family members. More than anything, she has become a much more patient person. She has really developed personally and it shows in her artwork and in her life. She has also become very, very close friends with a variety of the people in the class. So on top of it being an art studio, an art class, because there's such a warmth and because people start to feel so comfortable, there's a tremendous sense of community. So here's this woman who came. She thought she was a zero on the creativity scale. She was going through a really tough time life-wise. And a few years later, she walks away, although she'll be back in a couple of weeks. She has a group of friends, a group, a, a real community of like-minded spirits, and she's developed a talent that she never thought she had in the first place. Was there anyone in your life in particular who sort of helped you to realize that this was a, a method that worked better for you? Any person or, or experience that helped you get there? Well, I think... A few things. I think I've had experiences that were the opposite. Um, I've had experiences where, whether it was, you know, someone in my inner circle or a teacher or educator who was especially tough or uh, demanding or there was a lack of encouragement, um, sort of like a squashing of my natural talents. And so I was able to recognize, well, that doesn't work for me. And on the flip side, I would say I've had family members, my grandfather especially, always thought I was, you know, the most talented person to ever walk the planet, uh, whether that's true or not. Um, And I I had, my mother was always very, very supportive, like a real, you can do it, whatever you put your mind to. When I was a teenager, 
my mother, who's a psychologist, was writing a book. And she teamed up with an artist who, in her own right, is extremely talented. And she almost became a mentor to me at a very impressionable age. I was a teenager. And she saw the artwork that I was creating. And she just said, you know, Rebecca, this is something that you should do and that you need to do. And Mm -hmm. at that point, I started to become much, much more serious in my creative endeavors. I also had one professor, Amy Sudarsky, at the School for the Arts at Boston University my sophomore year, and she was my painting professor. She was just my number one fan and number one cheerleader. And what I learned from that is the whole world does not have to believe in you. It takes one person. And if there's just one person who's behind you at these important turning points in life, it literally can change the course of one's entire life. So speaking about that a little bit, I know that you have some exciting plans coming up to make your methods more accessible to people who can't necessarily come to the studio on the Upper West Side. Yes, it's something I'm very excited about. We are in the midst of expanding in two different directions. The first direction is within New York. Mm -hmm. We are bringing a lot of our classes and programs to a variety of locations throughout the New York metropolitan area. We're already working with a number of schools in their after-school programs throughout all of Manhattan. We have been and are continuing to expand and working with senior centers and community centers. We have been and continue to uh, run a variety of corporate programs with larger corporations to smaller businesses where professionals are really wanting to step up and away from their desk Mm -hmm. and bond with each other and get to know their coworkers in a totally different format. And so all of those things are, are, we've touched them, but our focus is to expand by multiples so that people, whether they're, you know, 95 and living in a nursing home or a patient in a hospital, or uh, an underserved school, or a company, and they're really wanting to bring more well-being to their staff. We're really wanting to bring that to people throughout the city. Uh Uh, And in addition to that, we will be launching an online program, which Uh I'm especially excited about. And we are in the midst of creating online art courses, very much geared to a similar audience, Mm -hmm. people who are really wanting to tap into their creativity and enrich their lives. And we will have a variety of different classes from a class that you could take in a two hour period to a class that you could take for a couple of months. Mm -hmm. And our goal is to reach as many people as we can, not just in the country, but throughout the world, Mm -hmm. so that people everywhere can really benefit from now what is scientifically proven to be an endless amount of benefits from art for both children and adults. There are too many different studies to name. However, the basic understanding is that art and creating art is excellent for your health, um, mentally and emotionally. Mm -hmm. So, for example, for adults... There's proof that when creating art, the brain chemistry changes. 
and the serotonin in one's brain increases. At the same time, uh, there's often a decrease in anxiety and depression. And so there's actually um, a trend to bring more art and art therapy into mental health programs yeah. because science is really showing that it makes a big difference. The, the most simple and easiest one, if you walked into an art class at the Art Studio in New York, you'd see in here, major stress relief. Mm -hmm. Incredible amounts of stress relief and relief of tension. The ability for worries to really melt away. There's also a meditative effect of art. So if you look into the health benefits of meditation, you're receiving the same benefits when you're doing art. Mm -hmm. There are also a lot of studies that show that creating art ongoing increases your memory. And especially many studies about cognitive benefits. Uh, there have been some studies that show when, when adults are practicing art or taking an art class on an ongoing basis, the chance of them having Alzheimer's 20 or 30 years later decreases significantly. Wow. So there's a lot of protection within cognitive practice. Mm -hmm. As well as present experience. Absolutely. Yeah. I always say it's, you get all of the benefits of vigorous exercise, yep. but there's no sweating, <laughs> uh -huh. and you get to sit in comfortable clothes and relax. Uh -huh. <laughs> now, for kids, it's another range of benefits, which is, to me, equally as exciting. And all of this has been documented as well. So first of all, kids who take at any time in their life, they could be three years old, later on down the line, they will have greater academic success. If they've taken an art class. Exactly. Wow. And so, for example, I could be 18 and maybe I didn't pick up a paintbrush since I was eight. It's during these years where your brain is really developing. And so it doesn't mean you have to be taking art classes for 20 years. You may have taken art classes for two years between the ages of three and five. But when you're creating art and when you're in an environment where you're learning creatively, your brain is literally changing. Yeah. And so your brain is learning to have sharpened problem-solving skills. Uh -huh. Your communication skills are enhanced. You're learning how to focus on a higher level. Uh, you naturally will have greater self-esteem. You learn how to fulfill yourself in a certain way. Your organizational skills are improved. Mm -hmm. Really, there's a very, very long list, and I'm just touching on some of these yeah. points. There was recently a study that showed that kids who took art classes consistently for two years ended up scoring higher on all sorts of standardized tests yeah. and college testing by 100 points. Oh, that's so interesting because so many people would say, oh, it's so separate, right? Like you're either artistic or you're book smart or whatever, and that's not at all the way that it works. What art really teaches a child is how to think mm -hmm. and how to approach and how to maneuver. And so it's less about let me paint a Picasso. It's more about how do I strategize? If I make a mistake, how do I fix it? Spatially, how do I lay things on a page? And when you're doing something creative, you're accessing a different part of your brain. Mm -hmm. That part of your brain is not, is not just the art part. Yeah. <laughs> it's a part of your brain that does a lot of different things. Yeah. And so if you can strengthen that part of your brain through art and creative practice, the benefits are going to be seen in a much wider variety 
of aspects of one's life. Yeah. And really what we're seeing in the science and, and in the data is that children who are consistently exposed to art become more successful adults. One other way for people to learn from your process is your book. My book, Release Your Creativity, Discover Your Inner Artist with 15 Simple Painting Projects, is uh, available in bookstores and on Amazon throughout the country. The people who say, I can't draw a stick figure, this book is for you. <laughs> people who loved art but feel a little rusty, this book is for you. People who have an artistic practice yeah. and are wanting to expose themselves to new ideas and get out of their creative box, mm -hmm. this is for you. It's a book geared towards adults, however, I have done many of the projects with my eight-year-old niece and my two nephews. And what's interesting and what's exciting for me about the book is that within each chapter, there's an actual art project that's broken yeah. down with photos, step by step by step. So there's no way to get confused. Mm -hmm. There's a lot of creative freedom encouraged. And so through the book, I'm really encouraging people, find the color that's interesting to you. Find the technique that's interesting to you. This isn't cookie cutter. Right. Find your way, but here's a structure so that it feels safe and accessible to you. And then within each chapter also is more of a personal growth message that ties into creativity, mm -hmm. yet can be applied to one's daily life. So this teacher who reached out to me, she shared photos of a project that the kids were working on, and she shared that they were talking as a group about how to overcome self-doubt, how that was really helping them move forward academically and personally as well as socially. I mean, the thing about art and self-expression, first of all, everybody, every human needs to express themselves. It's the reason why, as children, most of us color with crayons before we even speak and sometimes walk. But it's also the reason why we all have such a need to be seen and heard and understood. Some people express themselves with words, through dance, through theater, uh, creativity through the visual arts is yeah. one more way and one significant way that is accessible to anyone. Yeah. And so I really see it as a life tool. It's not about I'm an artist or I'm not an artist. First of all, I think everyone's an artist. Mm -hmm. That's a whole other conversation. But to be creative just means you're creating something. You could be creating a conversation. You could be creating dinner. You could be mm -hmm. creating a business. And you could be creating a painting. The creative practice, from what I've seen from the tens of thousands of people that I've worked with, no yeah. matter what kind of life background they're coming from, what kinds of challenges or stresses are going on. There's this consistent level of increased happiness and fulfillment, yeah. and it gives you the opportunity to really connect to yourself mm -hmm. and to really ask yourself the important questions that a lot of times we don't ask ourselves. You mentioned that one way that you've been seeing progress in, in students that have been using your process is through social media and that that's how people can, can show you what they're doing. Can you tell me about how you've used social media either to build your own business or to keep in touch with students? 
Social media is amazing. <laughs> it's, it's really been a game changer. Certainly when looking at creativity and when looking at art, for example, I can go on Instagram and look at the artwork of endless artists from around the world. I may not have even known they existed until you know, I clicked on an image that was interesting to me. In terms of our students, we showcase and highlight student artwork on Facebook and Instagram, Pinterest, a number of different social media outlets, because we want our students to feel proud of the artwork they're making. And again, when we have that need to be seen and heard, it feels so good when A, we create something, and then B, we can share it with others, and then C, people are really responding to it. So that's something that is a regular practice of ours. And then it's also an opportunity for people to see, hey, what kind of artwork are people creating at the Art Studio New York? And it's also an opportunity for students to connect with one another and to really support each other. So, you know, in the age of social media and technology, sometimes there's a sense of community and interpersonal connection that's lost. For our studio, that sense of connection and community is critical. So when using social media, students can really connect with one another. They'll follow one another. They really give each other advice and feedback and encouragement so that what's happening in the studio continues yeah. via social media. Right, it really gives the social media sort of a concrete root where, you know, where it's coming from, whereas a lot of times people will go on social media and, you know, follow all these people that they don't know. And, and that's amazing, too, because like you said, you can discover other artists. But Absolutely. When you have the opportunity to meet people and keep up with them through social media and share your work, that's, that's really amazing. And it sounds like you guys are using that. Again, it's an opportunity to get our message out that really creativity is for everybody. And Creativity can and will make your life, even your life is the best life ever. Yeah. Why not knock it up a few notches? <laughs> right. Why not? And all of us have challenges and all of us have stress and all of us have just a lot going on. Mm -hmm. And especially in our fast paced world, mm -hmm. we all need that unplug and that recharge. And so through social media, we really can reach more people to say, hey, if this is something that would make your life happier, healthier, uh, more fulfilled, here we are, and here's what we offer, and here's yeah. some of our student pieces, and here's what our students have to say about their experience with us. Do you want to share maybe your uh, Instagram uh, name? I guess, is that what, what's the name? What do you call the that? The handle. The handle, yeah, your Instagram handle and Facebook handle in case anybody wants to follow you. Yes, so we are the Art Studio NY on Instagram as well as we have two release your creativity. And on Facebook, we are the Art Studio NY, as well as release your creativity. So right. you can find us in both places. I know that one thing that can be a really big challenge for people who are wanting to start their own business or project is the money. And I know that one way that it sounds like you may have dealt with that is by starting small and starting, you know, sort of personally, um, and, and your decision was to use your apartment, to use the space that you had at that time, and then to expand later. Um, are there ways that you think that other people can take that as 
as a lesson or, or a starting point for, for their own businesses or ideas? Sure. I think one of the reasons, and maybe not the biggest, but one of the reasons that small businesses fail is because they grow too quickly. And it's almost like the relationship, you went on two dates and now you want to be married with five kids. And so a lot of people, they start to see success or they feel successful and they jump in way too quickly and then they don't have the resources. And resources does not always mean money. Right. It could be a business plan. It could be having great employees in, in or place. Or a mentor. Or a mentor mm -hmm. or a space or the product or what, what have you. Now, everybody's different. There are people who jump in quickly and succeed overnight. I'm more of the slow and steady wins the race type. Uh, I'm more of the, like, let, my, let me dip my toe in. Let me not completely change my life from A to Z overnight. Maybe let me just change it from A to B to C. And I think it's also very important to test things. So for example, when I started my business, I looked at it as one big experiment. And I knew that I had ideas that I thought were fantastic that probably were not going to succeed. Yeah. And on the flip side, for example, our entire corporate program, I didn't think of that. Someone who had purchased my artwork many years ago came to me and said, hey, from a big bank in Manhattan, she said, we're looking to put together a holiday party. Do you offer corporate events? And I said, yes. And I like, <laughs> whispered to myself, like, now we do. <laughs> right. And so in terms of starting big and starting small, I think you have to really know yourself. Yeah. Um, you know, when in doubt, start smaller and build. You know, build slowly so you can really build a more solid foundation. In terms of funding, everybody's different. I was sucking away. You know, and it was not big bucks. I was working at a small nonprofit organization, mm -hmm. so <laughs> it wasn't tremendous, but I had just enough to get started. Yeah. And I was naive enough, and luckily it worked in my favor, yeah. to take that type of risk. Yeah. I was also willing to fail, and I said, if I fail, well, I'll just figure out something else, but yeah. at least I know that I tried. There's a lot of funding sources. Actually, I'll mention SCORE again in the Small Business Administration. There are a lot of small business loans. Depends on what kind of business. Obviously, there are angel investors. Sometimes you get lucky and you have a group of friends and family that believe in you. Mm -hmm. These days, with Kickstarter and other campaigns, I know many people who have launched somewhat successful businesses by doing a Kickstarter campaign. Yeah. So I think now, more than ever, there's access to funds, at least to get yourself started. Yeah. In terms of space, you may not use your bedroom in right. your apartment, <laughs> or you might, but there are a lot of shared workspaces. And my suggestion is be creative. Who do you know? How can you get in the back door? So forget about going with a broker to rent space. Right. Do you have a friend who runs a law firm and maybe they have one office right. that's sitting empty anyway and they'll say, oh, okay, we'll give it to you for six months yeah. as a trial. Or maybe there's someone with a factory that you know or, you know, it's endless. Speaking but, of, can you tell me about how you got your space and, and sure. where, where the current um, art studio New York is? Absolutely. And it's, it's a great segue because I guess my point was ask people that you know. 
uh, it's always, you'll, you'll get farther, faster by networking with people that you know and sharing with people, listen, this is my dream. I'm committed to making it happen. And let, let people advocate for you. Similarly, yeah. <laughs> when I was ready to move out of the bedroom, <laughs> we moved the studio then into my living room. Uh-huh. <laughs> and then... A to B. It, right. And then it was time we really were exploding out of the uh-huh. walls. <laughs> so I actually mentioned to the doorman in our building, we're located on West 96th Street. Mm-hmm. I had become very friendly with the doorman. Many of them are very familiar with the neighborhood. I didn't want to go through a broker, at least yeah. initially. I thought, let me see what's available if I just spread the word. And one afternoon, I got a knock on the door from Jose. He sort of whispered to me, like, Rebecca, the woman in 1B is moving out. It would be an amazing art studio. You should call the, the management company. Yeah. I had not seen 1B, but <laughs> I imagined it can't, you know, can't hurt to call. And a few months later, I was, let's say, quite persistent. Uh-huh. <laughs> and ultimately, that was seven years ago. And we renovated the whole space. Uh-huh. And seven years ago was very different than today. We did not have as many classes. Mm-hmm. It was almost like starting a new business yeah. because the business model was totally different. And now we're at the time again where we're sort of busting through the walls and that's why we're really eager to expand in multiple locations but you you can never I tell this to my students no question is a bad question and if you ask people you might ask your doorman ask your sister ask your friend ask the mailman you don't know who people know and sometimes if someone likes you or they just have a good spirit and they want to pay it forward, things can open up, but you have to put it out there. Let's go back and talk a little bit about, again, how you got into this. When I had graduated from college, I was planning on going to Israel and moving to Israel for a year. Uh However, I had about six months in between. And this was actually probably one of the most transformative times career-wise. I didn't know it at the time. (laughs) I was invited to teach an art class at a nursing home in Springfield, Massachusetts, close to where I grew up. And I came into the nursing home once a week for a number of months. The people who were living there, well, let me put it this way. It was a very depressing environment, to say the least. You could feel like everyone there knew that they were at the last leg of their journey. There were people of, you know, many ages, but mostly senior citizens, Mm -hmm. very, very senior, like well into their 80s and 90s. My goal was to create an art class for them that would be accessible to everyone and that would really expose people to the benefits that I felt were available in art. But I had not really tested it yet. So you could say this was my first test case. And I wasn't sure of the results, but I figured you know, nothing ventured, nothing gained. So the first class, I think there were probably about 25 seniors, Mm -hmm. most in wheelchairs, many who did not make eye contact, 
hadn't made eye contact, many who were not verbal, uh, many severely depressed. And so out of a group of about 25 people, I only had a few people who were engaging with me. And I very naturally shared a project. It was a very basic watercolor project and brought the enthusiasm that I have about art uh, and also brought what I feel is sort of the juice of what I see about teaching. I brought the encouragement and the positive energy and the engagement so that every person felt like, you know what, this lady is a stranger and she cares about me. Yeah. So the combination of all of that, week by week by week, really created what I have to say was a miracle. And a lot of the people who worked at the nursing home really mirrored that feeling. There were people who, as I said, had not made eye contact in a very long time and were making eye contact with me, smiling, laughing, looking at each other. There were a few people who were no longer verbal mm -hmm. and suddenly were, were speaking. You know, this is fun. I like this. I feel happy. Oh, I like incredible. your art. There were some people who threw the act of art, and this is actually um, noted in a number of scientific research, that the act of art stimulates older memories. And so there were a couple of participants who suddenly were being flooded with memories that wow. they hadn't had access to in quite a long time. Mm -hmm. And ultimately, the spirit of the room came alive. It, it felt like I gave all of them some sort of like fountain of youth drug. And week by week, we continued to see the response and it was overwhelmingly positive. And as shared, the, a number of people who worked at the nursing home, who had been there for years and years and years, they shared, we've had music classes, we've had theater productions, we have a piano player, we play cards. We've never seen anything like this. Mm -hmm. And so for me, that was really the catalyst. At that time, or close to uh, finishing teaching at the nursing home, I had planned to move to Israel for a year. And I had previously been in Israel for a few weeks during a college trip uh -huh. to both, both Eastern Europe and Israel. And I absolutely fell in love with Israel. I fell in love with the culture. I fell in love with the language, the people, the vibrancy. There was some sort of spirit that is there that for me I had never experienced before. So I said, that's it. And I lived in Arad, which is a small town, a very small desert town in the southern area of Israel. Uh -huh. Many Israelis, if you tell them, I lived in Arad, they look at you like you have seven <laughs> eyes. <Yeah. laughs> um, to me, it was pure magic. It was seven months of, I had my own art studio. I was exhibiting my artwork in museums and galleries throughout the country. Was it an art program that you were in there? It was an artist residency that was part of a Jewish Hebrew graduate learning program. So in addition to creating artwork, I really was connecting and reconnecting to roots that had always been there. I didn't really have a connection to maybe when I was younger. And there was a sense of coming home to a part of myself that 
I never even knew was there. And so that really came into my artwork. After the artist residency was complete, oh, I should say I also learned how to speak fluent Hebrew. That was fantastic. Huge, yeah, don't forget that. <laughs> I moved to Jerusalem and continued painting, exhibiting, and then I also started teaching in Jerusalem and took my you know, scientific experience part two and was working with younger children of a lot of diplomats and a lot of families who were basically tra traveling pretty consistently throughout the world. Mm -hmm. And you know, they had like a three month stint in Jerusalem. Right. And so I worked with all types of children, all types of backgrounds. There were plenty of children who were challenged with emotional, uh, physical, psychological challenges. Mm -hmm. And once again, saw this incredible influence of yeah. how art, especially with kids, because they don't always have the language to express what they're feeling, but they could suddenly draw or paint or you know, fling paint like Jackson Pollock yeah. and have some sort of release. And I spoke to a number of parents over the summer. One story actually stands out quite a bit of a very sweet seven-year-old girl whose parents were going through a horrendous divorce. Mm -hmm. And her father had told me that she had been in therapy, you know, the best therapists yeah. and the best this and the yeah. best books and the best teachers and the best that. And he said, Rebecca, you have no idea what this has done for my daughter. This has been the most effective healing experience for her. And we stayed in touch for a while because previously during all of this tumult, her grades had gone down. Okay. She, she was having trouble with her friends. Uh, she was angry, she was acting out. And as the school year began again, he touched base and said, she's doing great, she's back to her old self. Her grades are great, she's connecting with her friends. Just to know that through caring about someone and engaging with them and nurturing them creatively that a child, you know, now she's probably 17, really is excelling because of a few months of focused time where she had the freedom to express herself. After leaving Israel, you came to New York. You ended up in New York, right? So do you want to talk a little bit about how, how you ended up in New York and um, how you ended up where you did in New York on the Upper West Side, which also is, ha has a pretty significant Jewish presence, right? Yes. So when I came back to the United States with tears, I yeah. didn't want to leave Israel. <laughs> yep. <laughs> But I came back to New York, and I say back, I'm not from New York, but my family's from New York. So I always say I'm from Massachusetts, but I have Brooklyn roots. Mm -hmm. So the New York is in the DNA. <laughs> uh, however, I never had you know, my own zip code. So I came to New York, my sister was living in New York, and I felt like New York was my natural next home for two reasons. One, it's an epicenter of art. And I felt that if I'm wanting to really grow my career as an artist, where better than New York City? Mm -hmm. And I also, having lived in Israel, felt deeply, deeply rooted and connected to the Jewish community. And the Upper West Side of Manhattan is known to be an extremely vibrant Jewish community. Those two pieces merged. And in a very short time, and my sister happened to live on the Upper West Side, 
And in a very short time, New York almost opened its arms to me. I sometimes feel like a city either welcomes you in or spits you out. And New York grabbed a hold of me yeah. and hugged me and said, you're staying <laughs> Brought here. You in. And that was the beginning. And that's how I ended up on the Upper West Side. And eventually, it was a few years later when I started the art studio in New York, it felt like a natural fit for where the business should be born. Um, this sense of community, there's a sense of warmth, there's a diversity, uh, there's a sense of people living their everyday life. However, I could sense that on the Upper West Side, my art studio could easily become people's second home. You know, it's almost like a country home, yeah. except it's on West 96th Street. <laughs> Do you have any tips in particular for people wanting to maybe start their own small business or, you know, it could be an, another art studio or any, any kind of small business in the city? Definitely. Well, I think, and I referenced this prior, I think knowing your why mm -hmm. is very important. It happens to be one of the chapters in my book as well. <laughs> So but, if you're starting a small business, maybe check out Rebecca's book. But, but not necessary, but yeah. I think you'll like it. But knowing your why, because in, in running a business or starting a business, you go at full speed ahead, nonstop. And there are a lot of fires to put out, and there are a lot of streets that you turn down that you didn't expect, and, and there are so many demands. I find that knowing my why is always very grounding. So when I have those days where I think, I'm so tired of this, I just wanna you know, pack a bag and move to Africa, which sometimes I feel that, <laughs> I can check back in with myself. Oh, this is why I'm doing it. Because when I taught at a nursing home, I saw people for the first time make eye contact in months. Or I saw someone who had not spoken a word in three months to suddenly smile and say how fulfilling it was. Yeah. Oh yeah, that's why I'm doing it. Right. Or I feel so empowered when I'm creating. Or no matter how stressed I am, if I sit down and paint for 30 minutes, it's like fresh slate, everything melted away. So everybody has a different why. Knowing what is your motivation, mm -hmm. I would say that one huge huge suggestion, which I did not take, uh -huh. and if I would do it again, I would, and I have it now, is find a mentor who knows way more than you. Don't find an equal, find a mentor, and find someone who you trust, yeah. who can really help you carve the path. There are people who have started successful businesses and started far before you had an idea. Don't reinvent the wheel. There's an amazing organization called SCORE, and it is through the Small Business Administration. I believe it's in every city or many cities throughout the United States, and it is free, and they have a mentorship program in every category you could think of, okay. whether it's in communications, technology, psychology, marketing, law, et cetera, et cetera, uh -huh. and all of the mentors are people who have had a very successful career and are usually in a later stage or more developed stage of their mm -hmm. career or they retired and their purpose in life now is to give back. Yeah. So that is a huge resource. 
That's and called score. Score, as okay. in score, score. goal. Yeah. <laughs> and they also have a lot of workshops, online workshops. And it's one-stop shopping. You can yeah. have 10 mentors in five minutes. Yeah, that sounds amazing. And then, you know, I think the biggest part also is attitude. Mm-hmm. What are you willing to do to make it happen? Mm-hmm. Don't expect that it's going to happen overnight. Right. Be willing to fail. Fail purposely yeah. so that you can get up, dust yourself off. You know, be tough. Mm-hmm. This is not the time to cry over spilt milk. Yep. You'll make a ton of mistakes. Um, it's a humbling journey. If you are wanting to know what's going to happen play by play, this is not the, the life for you. Yeah. If you're a lifelong learner and you're willing to open your mind constantly to grow and be a better person so that you mm-hmm. can be a better business owner, you know, yes, this could be for you. Mm-hmm. And surround yourself with people who have similar interests. Surround yeah. yourself with other people who have a business or wanting to have a business because it's a very different way of going through the world. Mm -hmm. And so if you have peers and people who are thinking about the same things, having the same challenges, asking the same questions, you'll get farther and you won't have to do it alone. So we also always ask people if there's something that you want out there about what you do that you haven't haven't had the chance to share or hasn't been included when people have, you know, written about you in the past or talked about you? Is there something that you think is really important that you want people to know? I think we've touched on it, but I think it's worth repeating that everyone is creative. You might not know it yet. Someone may have told you you're not creative. I'm sorry, but they're wrong. You're creative. And it's really a gift to be a human being, you've been given this automatic gift of creativity. It's almost impossible to describe until you tap it what you can do with that power. Mm-hmm. It's really a shame to not explore that. I mean, yeah. at the base level, if it, it's fun and it's enjoyable, mm-hmm. turn it up a little bit. It's relaxing, it's great for your health, it increases your overall well being. You keep turning it up, turning it up, turning it up. And ultimately, creativity is a tool that when you harness it, you can really be the creator of your life and transform your life into the masterpiece that you have your heart set on. Mm-hmm. And my, my greatest wish and my greatest desire in creating the Art Studio in New York is for people of all ages, of all backgrounds, of all challenges, of all walks, can really awaken that creativity inside of them. And of course, enjoy the process of making beautiful art, but more than that, really learn to create a beautiful life that they can be proud of. Well, thank you so much, Rebecca. And thanks again for being here today. My pleasure, it was wonderful. Thanks so much for listening. My name is Ellie Cody, and this has been Manhattan Sideways. If you'd like to learn more about this particular business or to discover and read about thousands of other fascinating small businesses on the side streets of Manhattan, please visit our website, sideways.nyc, and of course, follow us on Instagram and Facebook, at NYSideways.